Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are currently in, in the, the Conjuring, Conjuring House. I am Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And we're paranormal specialists who live in the most haunted city on Earth, Savannah, Georgia. Every day is Halloween in our line of work, so join us as we spin true tales of haunts, murders, and disturbing Savannah history. I'm Madison. I'm Chris. And, and welcome, welcome to the most haunted city on earth. Hello and welcome to a very special, if you will, uh, edition of the most haunted city on earth. My name is Madison Timmons. And I'm Chris Susie. And we are very tired. <laughs> we have been in the Conjuring House, and we are currently in, in the, the Conjuring, Conjuring House. At 5.45 in the morning. 5.47. Yes. 5.47 in the morning. <laughs> From we've been here since 7 p.m. <laughs> we, uh, we, we have had a night. Quite a investigation. We were joined by the Ghost Brothers yes. for the first portion of the night, uh, for the majority of the night, really. Yeah, until the last couple hours. Until the last couple hours when all hell broke loose. Let me just put it this way, y'all. First off, if you haven't finished our um, deep dive into the Conjuring House, go listen to that. Yes. Um, because a lot of things will make sense. Absolutely. Um, and upcoming will be a lot of content mm -hmm. about the evening that we spent here. So uh, you'll want to watch the, the, the episodes breakdown. leading up into mm -hmm. it. You'll want to watch this episode so that you'll understand uh, that we uh, we had like a night and day kind of experience going on uh, here at the Conjuring House. We had uh, almost friendly kind of uh, banter environment going on. There's lots of laughter. Mm -hmm. We were having a good time. Um, and then 
it got very dark and very scary. And we're hoping, uh, because it got to the point at which it was scary in a way that we're hoping to have footage that kind of, at, at the very least, shows how frightening this house reactive we, we became mm -hmm. in the middle of it all. So, um, and we, and at, as of right now, we're not sure we have that footage because it was uh, kind of harrowing. Yeah. We did so many uh, innovative things. Like uh, we've, we've brought a 360 camera allowing people to actually experience a ghost hunt. You can actually do the 360 with goggles or, or just, you know, moving it around with your phone, but you can drop into this environment and we are giving you an opportunity to be in the conjuring house late at night all alone. It's, I, I just want to put it this way for y'all. When I said in the um, one of the episodes that Mr. Kenyon told Roger, um, if you value your family, you'll keep keep the lights keep, on. Keep the lights on. That is so unbelievably true. Yeah, it it's it's fascinating when you think that the warning was keep all the lights on. And one of the most harrowing experiences at night were when we decided to turn the lights off. It was the most jarring thing. It well, was very jarring. Well, okay, so let's start out with the beginning of the night. Yes. So we arrived at 7 o'clock. We signed all our paperwork. Um, we were met by one of the staff of the Conjuring House. He, um, when once the Ghost Brothers had arrived as well, he took us around the house to give us our bearings, essentially. Um, he gave us a very brief history of the house or like little things that people have experienced in the house and things like that, like from investigations and uh, new information they've found about the history. Um, but it it was very brief in the scheme of things. Um, and it was really more to orient and let us know the stance of the conjuring house itself. That's the true. conjuring house is not promoting the movie the Conjuring movie. They're not promoting anything outside of the history that they've been able to either research or get directly from sources, uh, such as Andrea Perrin, who has uh, worked with this organization, apparently. Um, her book is in the library here, mm -hmm. and apparently they sell it at the, at the gift shop here. So really, I think the message that they really wanted us to walk away with was, don't sensationalize the place. Mm -hmm. You know, try to keep it within all of the rules and, and everything regarding um, what they actually have, you know, in print and what they what they actually know. Um, and what was interesting was, I don't think he said anything save the name of the boy that we didn't know, mm -hmm. that we weren't that we had not already researched right. on our own, found out on our own. They he basically informed us um, all of our was the name that the parent girls gave um, the little boy. Yeah, but they, they, they had discovered it through s s stories and, mm -hmm. you know, that um, a, a little boy named Oliver had drowned on the property. Right. According to what they had learned. And so they came to find out that his name was actually Henry. Um, Henry was not very active tonight. Although it's possible we saw him. Yes. So there was a moment so well, well we'll get to that um so basically after we do our tour we sit down with the ghost brothers we go over everything that we want to accomplish for the night and we start setting up everything um and i think one of the most the first 
important experiences we had was when Chris, Megan, Debria, and myself all went down into the cellar. Yes. For the first time. Um, now, there are two staircases that lead down to the cellar. So we had gone down um, one flight, and we were, uh, Debria and Megan were standing in the middle of the cellar, and then I was all the way at the far end of it for the, to the, for the most part. And Chris was over by where one of the uh, turns were from the steps. And we all heard what sounded like somebody coming down the steps. This house is not subtle. No. By any means. Crickety, crackety, crickety, crackety. Like you can hear everything in this house. So we heard these footsteps and we were assuming it was JT. We were wrong. Um, so we hear this and then Chris turns around to see if JT was there and right. instead- Fully expecting just JT to come around because we'd heard bomb, 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 footstep, 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 mm -hmm. you know, without any reason to doubt that it was a solid flesh and blood person only a few feet behind me, really. Right. And uh, then <laughs> immediately we all see this shadowy figure dart and we hear the- Yeah, the footfalls run right past us. Over towards the well. Debris screeches, of course. And we were all very alarmed because yes. it was, we weren't even like really fully hunting at this point. We were just kind of still We oriented. were avoiding the Ghost Brothers because the Ghost Brothers wanted to uh, film their intro. Mm -hmm. Exactly. For, for, for their um, video. And so we were just trying to, you know, be out of their way. Right. And so we, um, we then realized that the lights over by the steps that we knew were on were out at this point. Yes, and that yes. was a strange thing too because we had walked under the lights mm -hmm. and the fact that we didn't use a flashlight or anything to get to that point tells you that the lights were on. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And um, we went back later and Chris realized the light bulbs have been unscrewed, unscrewed. And we had to screw them back into place for the lights to come back on. So something had to unscrew those before making its appearance. So that was the first alarming incident. Um, now we did have some other experiences that were not as like intense, if you will. No. Um, I will say this house is very chaotic in its energy. Um, there's a lot of spirits going on in it. Um, and t at times, I think we were communicating because we did a ton of Estes methods as well. We Probably all ended the most up, amounts of Estes methods. We all ended <laughs> up doing them. Um, and so I think we ended up communicating with a bunch of different spirits that may not even be associated with the house in any capacity um, in the way that we understand it. Um, I do think that the house in general does sit on some type of a portal or some kind of uh, the veil. land yeah thins the veil something fierce something of that nature the logic was that i came into it was that because of all the activity seeming to come from the cellar i don't think the portal is in the cellar though mm -mm. because to be quite honest this first floor is the most active in my opinion for from what we've experienced from certainly. what we have experienced um, the cellar definitely has things down there, 
Um, the guide explained to us, you know, there's a trickster spirit down here, and... Um, that was kind of a new one, too, a bent neck man. Yes. Which was not something that we were familiar with, but... With this house, at we least. We kind of understand the trickster spirit. And if there is a spirit that is easily identifiable, a, a mimic spirit, a spirit that pretends to be that spirit, is notable and mm -hmm. and you know we should we should absolutely suggest and we I, I know we have talked about this a lot on our podcast which is that spirits crave recognition so if you're going to recognize the bent neck person then appearing as a bent neck person gives you street cred right you know mm -hmm. it, it it makes people pay attention to you and and give you you know some credence but like we did a couple of different um, I, I think, like, I personally went down there three different occasions to do different things. Um, at one point, Megan, Debris, and I went down there for what we have now referred to as estrogenesties. The estrogenesties. <laughs> Just the girlies. And um, we went down there, and it was super boring. I'm not going to lie. It was very, very boring. Uh, the only thing that really was happening is we set up two K2 meters on either side of the table they have down there. And um, one would go beep a beep a doop doop And then all of a sudden, that would go out. And then the other one would go beep a doop 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 And they would just do that back and forth and back and forth for a while. Um, and then when Dalen and I went down there... Um, to do like our portion of just us two in that lower portion it just felt like something down there was just trying to throw us every random thing you could think of and I was like okay this is annoying now so do I think it's the most active no um there was at one point where it was like there are 12 spirits down there or something like that because we did the we did get, yeah um but who knows if that's actually the case or not um we did find out information in, infor interesting information um while we were down there because chris had tested while i was doing the estes i was in the mask and the headphones um chris had tested using a flashlight uh, while we were apparently getting direct communication and seeing how it affects the spirits they didn't like it. They did not like it. And it, it was more just trying to figure out where the spirit was standing. So mm -hmm. I was using the flashlight to say, when the light is on you, you know, let us know. It, it, tell us when the light touches you. Um, and the response we got was, it hurts. And don't do that. And stop. And it was, it, it was very clear while I was doing it that there was an area... <laughs> Where when the light went over that area, it was like, don't do that. Stop. I don't like it. You know, stop it. And it's like, oh, it sounds like the light hurts this spirit. Mm -hmm. um, which does actually come up uh, a little later in the story. And so we did that. Um, then there were portions where we went into the library. And we were getting a lot of really interesting direct responses from the SE's methods in there. Um, Pretty much every room we investigated in, at least one person's SC method had direct responses. Yes. Um, there was also some interesting things that came up as well. Um, when we were in the uh, room where the seance happened, so if you remember that Ed and Lorraine Warren con conducted a seance um, with Carolyn and Roger Perrin, 
The seance, first off, the Conjuring House says that it was never um, properly closed. Right. So that's problematic. Um, this was also the room where Carolyn Perrin literally got yeeted across the house. Um, problematic. And so the weirdest thing that happened in that room, it, for the Essie's methods, I would say at least, was Dalen at one point was exactly explaining and mind you when you're in the SC's method you don't know what's happening and everybody agreed they could not hear they did not right. know what questions were being asked and at one point without being prompted um, at all he started mentioning a woman that hanged herself in the barn right and deaded herself that's right. the word she deaded herself she she deaded herself, which is very TikTok friendly. But and what's I don't even more intriguing about this is this was after we had gotten very express directions to go to the barn. All night. All night we were be being told to go outside. We were being told to go uh, to the barn. Um, we were getting this through these direct conversations. Something wanted us to go out to the barn. Um, mm -hmm. And the thing to know is that in December of last year, the barn caught on fire, mm -hmm. that there was a combustion uh, of oil rags uh, that caused a fire in the barn. And, it, and so the barn is actually closed. You can't go into the barn anymore. But even that came up in mm -hmm. these sessions, setting fire combustion. The word combustion mm -hmm. came up. Uh, the, the building that burned was mm -hmm. the one that they wanted us to go to. So um, we found ourselves pretty consistently being being sort of lured to the barn. We were also outside, or we were also um, doing a session at one point, and it was telling us, look up, look up, go outside, follow me, follow me. And so we ended up deciding, oh, they want us to go outside. And so Chris and I walked outside, and we were like, look up, look up. And so we remembered Andrea Perrin had mentioned, you know, these um, uh, extraterrestrial type encounters galactic she, family galactic family that she was uh, experiencing and um and that she would see triangles in the sky and things like that and so we went out to the field and started looking up to see if like maybe it's trying to say like oh they're here or whatever it would be but the weird part was we were out in if we decided well let's just go down into the field where um the bodies are because they eventually uh a few a while back brought ground penetrating radar to uh, look for the bodies for the seven dead soldiers buried in the wall and they found five of them and they marked them those bodies with flags so we were over by there and Chris is explaining to the camera and while he's explaining I look up back at the house and I'm looking there's two windows on this side of the house and um, on the upper floor I see on the right window a little boy looking out at us and I was like, oh, that must be um, Oliver R Henry. Um, and I see him staring at us, and then he um, goes back into the room towards where the Ghost Brothers were. And apparently while we were out there, the Ghost Brothers were having experiences um, where I believe it was Jawan had an experience where he, he thought he saw a little boy pass by him. Or a shadow figure that was the size of a little, of a little boy. boy. Yeah. And um, they were also hearing like footsteps and things right. like that. And so that was an interesting encounter as well. Um, but at one point, 
um, Chris and JT were like, we should go out to the barn to uh, go see why they're asking us to come out to the barn. Right, we were prompted very clearly through an Estes method that we, 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 were, we were requested at the barn. Mm -hmm. They wanted us at the barn. Um, it was so clear the intent of that session. Mm -hmm. um, and we thought everyone was going to come with us. No. But well, it was very chilly. It, it's, <laughs> okay, I, I do want to preface y'all. I am, and I mentioned this on the, on the live stream a lot, I'm a furnace of a human being. I am always warm. I am always just boiling alive internally. I have really weird um, temperature control issues. And so um, very rarely am I frigid. I have been, from the moment we entered this home, chilled to my bones like to the point where everybody else is like, I'm sweating, like peeling off layers. I'm over here like, I can't put on more layers. I'm so cold. So I did not want to go outside. I was like, please, no, I don't need to be cold anymore. Um, and so that was when uh, Megan, Debria, and I decided to go down to the cellar. And it was just JT and Chris. And so would you like to explain what happened to y'all? So... We decide that we're going out to the barn, and we can't go into the barn because it had caught in fire, so it's not safe to go inside, but we could go to the outside of the barn. The barn actually sits right on the road and is the entry point onto the property, so you have to drive right by it to get into the property. Uh, there's, a, there's a fence, that, you know, no trespassers fence. Um, so we're walking, and we're looking at the barn, and we're, we're just kind of having a, a very even-keeled experience. And that was something that was going on all night. It was very even-keeled. There was mm -hmm. nothing alarming. There was nothing, you know, out of the ordinary. It was a typical ghost hunt in a lot of ways because mm -hmm. something that you, you just can't express enough, ghost hunts do not generally have big explosive moments. You don't usually get, you know, these, these incredible things. And when you do, because of their rarity, you can't really... Uh, present it in a way that makes it seem like it wasn't contrived. But this was not contrived at all. We were walking up to the front of the barn. We're getting a picture, a video, of the front of the barn, which is all boarded up, and you can see where the smoke and the, the fire damage had happened to the wood. We're sitting there, we're looking at it. I had actually just turned my camera on, luckily, because we'll be able to share this, because we've <laughs> listened to it back many times by now. Um, we're looking at the barn, and behind us, I'm talking maybe 20 feet behind us, we hear three distinct beats on a drum. Boom, boom, boom. Unmistakably a drum. We have our doubts. <laughs> you can't say, oh, by the way, the, um, the Conjuring House barn. Uh, Uh -uh. No uh -uh. way. No way. Uh, that was like I drums. Just, I just literally got, no, 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 that was three. And I just got the freakiest, absolutely not. I don't know if y'all heard that, yeah. but, but, but what mics do we have rolling? Crazy. Holy crap. Crazy chills. I, I got crazy chills. Yeah, I my spine. Crazy chills Straight up my spine. spine. Now, um, I'm not sure if y'all heard that. That was definitely um, three bangs on what sounded like a Native American um, drum. This was the site of a Native um, American slaughter 
back. I've never been so scared. So let's mosey this way. I've never been so scared. That was so clear. That was so clear. Did y'all hear that? And it was so loud and so close and we just froze. And I had the most devastating chill down my back. It was enough to make me really get into that fight or flight situation. Like my hackles were up, I was prepared to fight or die. And we looked around and there was nothing anywhere near us. No one, nothing. We had our lights out scanning all over. It sounded like Native American drums. And it was three hits. Now for those people who uh, watch The Conjuring movie or, or know anything about it, there's a lot of talk about the three knocks. Mm -hmm. That there's a three knocks and how um, Ed Warren believed that the three knocks were indicative of demonic presence because it was mocking the Holy Trinity to have these three knocks at that very, very sound interval. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Boom, boom, boom. So loud that even the para-junkies on the live stream heard it. Yes, they heard it. Uh, we, we, we have it on, on, on our video and, and we're going to isolate it and listen to it again. It was very harrowing sound. And this was the first direct experience that JT had ever had with the paranormal. Mm -hmm. He had always experienced it through the lens of, of other people's experiences. But something kind of took hold of JT, a, a, a sensation, a feeling, a panic even. And, um, and he began to uh, have what, I would typify a shock. He would, he would say, I, I can't catch my breath. I can't catch my breath. Because it was so mind warping to have something like that happen and, and, and so undeniable mm -hmm. in its presence in his mind. But he was really much more affected than I thought he was to the point at which shortly thereafter, he's like, my, my stomach is stinging. The skin on his stomach was stinging. Now we're in, January weather in Rhode Island. So he is wearing three to four layers of clothing, a coat, a sweater, an undershirt, and he is bundled. But he has a scratch across his abdomen. And a bruise. And a bruise under, it. and if you looked at it, it kind of looked like something went and mm -hmm. just grabbed him. So now we have this very unique experience because it seemed to be physically after JT. And the interesting thing was earlier that evening, earlier that evening, earlier tonight, um, we had an Essie's method where it seemed like the spirit was very honing in on mm -hmm. JT, uh, called him by his name, talked about his height, talked about uh, 
all kinds of various details about JT. And I was like, that's kind of funny. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was a ha-ha moment when it was happening. But in retrospect, it seemed like the spirit had already latched onto him. So from that moment forward, JT was having a different night. Mm -hmm. um, it went from being a night of kind of the bravado that comes from never having experienced anything to a night of, of being cautious about how to proceed if there's a supernatural threat. Mm -hmm. And that was an amazing change. It was a very big flip of the coin. Like for anybody who, who has been following us, we have been having a lot of fun with Debria um, in sort of setting her up to go and sit alone in the dark, mostly because her reactions are genuine and hilarious and wondrous. But Madison and I have always held to the idea that, of course, we would not force her. Mm -hmm. That would not be right. We would, of course, always allow her a way out. But Debris was game, and we were, you know, so we're playing it up, we're yucking it up. But the thing about it, of course, is we stand as people who know that there's such a thing as supernatural threat. And we don't want to take it so lightly that it seems like we don't care about supernatural threat. But if we broach the subject with JT, he, he kind of was like, nah, 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 you know, it'll be fine, it's so funny, this is going to be great, this is going to be great. Which again, yes, I'd say 90% yes, but if you don't reserve some of that for the fact that we are trying to be, you know, experts in that field, yeah, we have to admit, it could be psychologically stressing to a person <laughs> to put them in that situation. Um, JT came back from the barn and almost immediately told Debria she didn't have to go down into the basement. Mm -hmm. He knew for the first time in his life that there is an, there's a chance, an outside chance, that something that is out of our control could happen. And that is an immense thing. That's something that happened uh, this evening. If you're, if you're a longtime listener, you know that our fans are called para-junkies. And that came from a, a term, like, in one of our first podcasts, mm -hmm. we talk about your first big uh, paranormal experience is like heroin. When it happens, you spend almost the rest of your life looking to achieve that same high again. Well, it turned out that JT had his first hit of ghost heroin tonight. tonight. And is now, I think, as we go forward, it'll be a very interesting journey because he's going to be rectifying the fact that he had these experiences. But here's the thing. The scratch, the barn, I'm not even going to say that was the scariest thing that happened to him tonight. No. So he was very jarred by that. Um, he immediately came back in and he was like, you guys don't need to be going over by that barn. Yeah. We did. But regardless, <laughs> which he was right. We he was have, right. We should out. have done that. Um, because I was curious at this point to see what, you know, we were um, up against, if you will. Again, that lack of fear, especially because of the fact that everything else throughout the night has been very tame, in my opinion. Yes. Um, and y'all know, I, when it comes to paranormal stuff, I don't scare easily. I have been around spirits my entire life. I've seen spirits my entire life. They don't scare me very easily. 
by the end of tonight, I'm actually genuinely frightened to the point, which is why we are filming this um, at the end of our investigation in the dining room, because I don't want to go down in the cellar tonight because I am so jarred by what we witnessed. Um, so later that night, we, after the Ghost Brothers had left, um, after they had wrapped up everything they needed to get, we obviously were trying to stick it out. So um, Chris, Megan, myself, and Debria decided we were going to take another walk over to the barn. Well, we were heading back towards the house, and Chris brought his digital camera to take photos. Um, and there was a point where he was trying to take photos and his flash was not working. It just wouldn't go off. The, ca the camera basically froze. Yeah. But it, it's a, you know, the, it, it was a mechanical thing, so it, it didn't make any sense that it would. And so I was holding the flashlight at this point. Chris had been holding the flashlight up until that point, but I had it now because he was trying I, to take the photos. I ended up dropping my phone trying to fix my camera. Yeah. And, I mean, dropped my uh, flashlight, yeah. And so I had the flashlight, and I was flashing around, you know, just looking, because I can't explain to you how much the darkness here eats light. Yes. And these are powerful flashlights. These are those commercial flashlights where they turn the light on, mm -hmm. and it's like, daytime, nighttime, daytime, nighttime. Literally. And it was just the darkness was consuming any bit of light out there. And so I was flashing the light around because I was like, this is so weird. And suddenly my flashlight hit eyes. I thought we're in Rhode Island. Could be a fox. Could be some kind of little creature of sorts. I then look and this creature was not an animal by any means. Um, it looked like the rake. It was on all fours. It had a spine that was very distended down its back, hunched over, and it was staring directly at me. And of course, I didn't want to freak everybody else out, but I go, oh no. And I was like, there's something over there that looks like a skinwalker, let us move forward. And I was like, don't run, but move with haste. And I had thought I had caught sight of it, because what I saw, and it was just like a fleeting moment, seemed like, uh, sort of a hunched over person, but it was white. But I knew that there was snow on the ground in the woods, in the path, further down. And I, I, there were weird lawn chairs out there too. So I was like, maybe that's what I saw. But when uh, Maddie started reacting to seeing something, I was like, oh no, that, that might've been, because I thought it was like a humanoid, like a person standing, but it was also just the faintest glimpse of something just out of my like ability to, to categorize it with my eyes. And I know some of you are, who are listening to this are probably like, oh, you're tired, you're just seeing things. No, I know what I saw because something I noted while we were walking to the barn was like, man, I feel like something is staring me down right now. Like I feel like I can feel the eyes on me. And yeah, like, if you've ever had that experience, it's a very distinct feeling. And I was like, that's so weird, like very menacing feeling. And then when that happened, I was like, I'm nervous now. Now I feel like I can't leave this house at night because whatever's out there knows we are here now, which is really an unnerving experience to be in. Um, but what we didn't realize, there are things inside the house as well that are 
equally as unnerving. Um, so we hunkered down inside the house after this experience. Uh, and an interesting thing is we got into the house, and once we got into the house, I was having a hard time actually closing the door. Mm -hmm. Every time I closed it, it popped back open. And so I was like trying to fiddle with it, but every time I closed it, it popped back open. And I didn't note that as too strange, but when I finally got it closed, I was like, okay, that was weird. And we decided to actually turn out the lights, mm -hmm. which at the top of the list of things you shouldn't do, according to the former owner of the building, is turn out the lights, leave the lights on. So we decided to turn out the lights because we're trying to get some EVPs, we want a little electric voice phenomenon, and we thought by turning out all the lights and sitting in the dark, we might hear things that we wouldn't normally hear, or, or you know, by depriving our sight, we could hear better, or whatever it was we were trying to do. Um, we were sitting in the dark, and we had sat there for a while, mm -hmm. but it was getting weird. We were having all kinds of notions of movement. Uh, mm -hmm. There was a little library beside us, and um, Madison had seen something, and I definitely felt as if there were things just moving around in the dark. And you could chalk that up to imagination to a certain degree, right. but there was a moment where we were finally like, look, there is definitely something moving. And uh, Madison actually saw whatever it was moving o around and behind us. So JT has, um, Debria turned the light on, on our, <laughs> we have a live stream going, turn the light on the live stream. When the light goes on, JT sees his first full-body apparition, mm -hmm. solid apparition. It was a woman, a woman in mid-lurch, standing behind us. Because JT was facing me, Megan, and Madison on the couch, and he was seeing into the room behind us where it looked like a woman was lurching, and she was horribly demented to him and he could describe her mm -hmm. the color of her hair the color of her dress he saw her so solidly that he screamed mm -hmm. and of course when he screamed and this is a truth of all ghost hunts everywhere mm -hmm. when one person screams everyone screams megan so dove into screamed. the couch <laughs> megan dove into the couch i jumped up in a wild concerted like i guess we're fighting now kind of situation because I had no idea what he was screaming at, where he was, what was happening to him. I wasn't even sure if it was on him or if he was, you I know, thought he looking. got hurt by it's, something. Yes, that's exactly it's, it. We weren't sure if, if, if he was getting hit or hurt or what, but his reaction did finally push us all to look into that room and he freaked out. Freaked out. And he had such a, a sincere and passionate response, visceral response, mm -hmm. to this event. Um, and I can honestly say, I don't think JT's ever going to be the same again. Mm -hmm. Because, again, when you talk theories, and when you talk things, and when you look at other people's photographs, and when you hear other people talk about seeing ghosts, you're categorizing it from your, from your standpoint, from your viewpoint, which is, well, I've never seen a ghost, so that must have been weird, or that must right. have been scared. But now JT has this in his arsenal, this sensation. Um, and I can honestly say that that moment was so powerful. I, I dare say it, it took the energy of the house, the entire energy of the house, to manifest that moment. And while in the aftermath, we were very skittish mm -hmm. and we were very nervous, 
I'd say that all the energy of the house was gone. Yeah. Because it did everything in its power for that moment. Mm -hmm. And it was an intense moment. And I think it, it, it's going to be a moment that we'll talk about for years and years to come on this podcast mm -hmm. because it is the first time JT had ghost heroin. It was such an alarming moment that we were all afraid to split up after that right. point. We, we were huddled together. And it was also... I don't know how many of you are frequent listeners, but JT has a, a, a laissez-faire about ghosts. He's, mm -hmm. he's, he's got a lot of bravado and, and earned bravado. It's not you know, just bravado for bravado's sake. He, he has faith and he has a, mm -hmm. a, a system of belief that, that has served him 30 years of his life. Mm -hmm. And on his 30th birthday, he was introduced to something that felt one step outside of his faith or his uh, faith's ability to cover him. And I think that, you know, that's remarkable. You don't, you don't get to witness something like that every day. Someone facing something that they're now going to have to make room for in their, in their faith arsenal. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I was, uh, it, it was an incredible moment and it was a, a terrifying moment. And I think that uh, we will we will definitely be touching upon this uh, from here on out. And you know, we we already have our next mm -hmm. um, investigation lined up. Um, and Waverly Hills, an even bigger location, an even, even bigger darker location, with oh even darker God. histories. Uh, so we're 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 excited to see where this goes because I've been doing this since I was six years old. Um, Maddie's been doing this all her life. So our approaches do kind of come down to a, I have all of this experience to level against this moment. So it's fascinating to watch Debria and JT mm -hmm. uh, and even Megan, although Megan is still untouched, thank God, um, to watch them experience something that the best we can do is say, what you're going through is normal. <laughs> what you're going mm -hmm. through is not, it's, 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 you know, it's not as, 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 as end of the world as it might feel. But um, I do think that this, this trip is a defining one. It's one of the most jarring places and confusing places because it's like, I mean, if y'all listen to the podcast, you know we are very well read in this field, and um, we—it's a passion of ours. So it's—it's it's very rare when I encounter a haunted location that confuses me it's very in the confusing. way that it's behaving. Yeah. Um, this house, I feel like we only scratch the very surface of, um, and I don't love how negative some of the entities are within the area of this house. Mm -hmm. I know that um, Andrea Perrin feels very fondly of this home, mm -hmm. and I don't want to come at this of being like, this is a demonic house. I don't no. necessarily want to go down that path. I'm just saying there are things here that make me weary. Well, and there are energies here that we are fairly certain contribute 
to um, to any spirit you bring here. Because mm -hmm. one of the first things we heard in the very first Estes method that we attempted was, I've only just arrived. When we asked the spirit how long they had been there, they said they had only just arrived. And we were like, well, did you come with us? Did mm -hmm. you come with the ghost brothers? You know, we were trying to figure out where the spirit comes from. And there's the ever so slightest chance came with JT. There's JT's spirit. And this place gave that spirit enough energy to present itself. Because there's, there's a lot of interesting things. There's a lot of talk of protection. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of talk about the things outside and keeping the things outside mm -hmm. or telling us to go outside because something was outside. And so in every, almost every SD session, some, at some point, something told us, something to, told us to go outside mm -hmm. or go away, yeah. get out. Yes. We were Warning told to us. leave, go away, it's coming. There was an it's coming over and over again all mm -hmm. night long leading up to JT going face to face with mm -hmm. something that he describes as just horrifying. It was, uh, there was like a moment where it was like trouble yeah. Um, it's, it's almost time. It's almost time. Um, and we're like, what are you talking about? And it, nothing to give us a clear answer to what this ominous warning was. And of right. course, we paid a lot of money to be here. We weren't. Yeah, we're heeding, not going anywhere. <laughs> we were not heeding these warnings. And so, um, but it was interesting. It was also interesting that that encounter happened during the witching hour. That's right. It yeah. Happened, yeah, right at the witching hour. All and, of that happened around yeah. the witching hour. Um, the the skinwalker situation, mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, uh, JT being scratched, that was... Right before or midnight. Well, right at midnight. Yeah. yeah, right at midnight, like a couple minutes before midnight. Mm -hmm. So really just bizarre and a lot of scheme in the, in the grand scheme of things. Um, and looking back at it, I'm trying to like analyze. It's a lot to process. Absolutely. Um, but I do feel like a lot of those SCU's methods, I'm feeling like it was some entity that was outside of the house mm -hmm. that was pretending to be other things to lure us outside. And it seemed like there were arguments going on all night. Yes. During the SCU's methods. Spirits. Between spirits. Spirits saying, they're going to learn too much. Go away. You know, and it, those go aways mm -hmm. could have been the other spirit telling spirits to go away. Uh, there was one spirit that identified itself as a, a protector, mm -hmm. but refused to acknowledge what they were protecting, who they were protecting from what, mm -hmm. and wh who they were. So I yeah. think that we were dealing with just a very interesting traffic jam of ghosts. All of them trying to uh, reach a goal that was hard for us to, to, to imagine. We, did, we had no idea what they were trying to achieve. Also something interesting to note as well, it took us a long time to pull any names out of yes, any spirits. They were so, uh, not until the witching hour. N not until the witching hour. And the witching hour names started just pouring out and that was even weirder. It was weird because it was mm, very generic names like David. David and, and Leslie. Uh, it was- Or uh, Sheila. Sheila. Sheila yeah. came out. I, but there was also times that I think the trickster came through. Like, I think... Hello. Uh, <laughs> good morning, Megan. Good morning. Um, it's 6.30. It's 6.30. Um, 
But yeah, there was um, a moment where I'm sure we'll include this because I think this actually was during one of the uh, the episode we filmed for Dalen's channel, where I think the trickster started messing with Dalen, with Sheila particularly. Yes. Because things like she's being a hoe again or something. Yes, that's right. And um, a lot of raunchiness. Which... A lot of raunchy language and raunchiness for, for Dalen there. And we'll we'll be doing more deep dives, but we wanted to get one out in the Conjuring House. We're actually in yes. the Conjuring House. Even though we are very sleep deprived. We are very sleep deprived. And so we are going to sign off Yes. And uh, and try to get to a bed. Um, safely. Yes, we have our Airbnb waiting for us. And, Merciful um, Airbnb. And we we made it. We made, we made it. it through the night. Somehow. <laughs> Despite many close encounters. We were almost a Grave Encounters film. We were almost a Grave Encounters film. Man, that, that, that is ominous for uh, Waverly Hills. Megan's going to have a great time there. <laughs> No, you're definitely going. <laughs> Megan just announced that she doesn't want to go to Waverly Hills. It's on camera now. You have to go. Oh, yeah. so. All right. We're, yeah. we're, uh, we're signing off. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for joining us in this um, tired rant. And hopefully it made sense. Um, but with that, stay spooky, y'all.